0: to a live curfew break on the program with Carrie Smith. This is still a relatively new channel. I've, I've realized I've started saying these so, uh, I repeat them so often I, I don't think about what I'm saying anymore. This is a new channel, I'm thinking about that. And if you got here through the algorithm, please hit like and subscribe. And uh, I have a couple announcements that I don't forget. Uh, If you are in the Texas area, in the Austin area, I'm going to be speaking with Megan Murphy uh, on a panel that she's organized in Austin. It's on Friday, February 10th at six o'clock. It's called Women Leaving the Left. There's several other great panelists. I got to talk with them this past week. um, Different women with all different kinds of opinions. We had a discussion about abortion that was one of the most unique conversations I've had about that subject because there were so many women there who with with different opinions and we all managed to talk to each other without getting angry. (laughs) So that was great. Um, so Friday the 10th, that's that event. And then if you're in the Dallas Fort worth area, I'm going to be, I'm going to the Friday night tights party or meetup or whatever it's called. And that's happening on Thursday, the June 16th in Dallas. And you can find out more info from the Friday night tights guys from Gary at Roddick. Um, and I think that's it. So I'm very excited for my guests this morning. It's their first time joining me for Kafre Break, but not their first time talking to me. We've I've done interviews with both these guys, we'll recognize them. Welcome to Deb Philman and Jason Littlefield. Hello, guys. Hello, hello. Hello. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. So since it's your first Friday, I have to tell you, can you hear that, siren? Yes. Yes. Okay. I forget. Is it, are we done? It's, a, Is it's that it. It's my new town, my little town has a daily
1: siren at noon, right
0: oh. when I start my videos.
2: <laughs> I lived in a town like that. I,
1: I did too. I grew up in a town that had a noon siren. I kind of liked it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't been here long enough that I remember. I was saying I'm going to start all my videos like a few minutes late so we don't hear it and then I I every time I start on time and then, then we hear it.
2: So I was just making sure that go. that wasn't, you know, the final like this is it
0: (laughs) get out get out of the room um so jason it's been a while since i talked to you although i just got to see you at the better discourse conference in texas can you tell people who may not be familiar with you a little bit about what you do and uh where they can find you
2: online sure um I guess a little bit about, I'll just pick up where I left off last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so last, our last conversation was last May, and what was going on behind the scenes was my job as a social and emotional learning specialist. That job position was being wiped away, and a new job description uh, r- where I would have to put forth the ideology as part of my job was written into the job description and I was in a position to where I had to reapply for my job, I would have been guaranteed to get that job back. Uh, So I chose to not reapply and to uh, put a lot of energy into and quote unquote alternative DEI. Hmm structure and sel structure and i've been working on a a set of of ideas to kind of replace what's in our culture right now
0: so just to clarify for what you're talking about you you're saying the ideology was being put into your job you mean woke
2: ideology woke ideology was put i was having to put forth uh and abide by that ideology okay and
0: since then, you've been working on a lot of projects. Um, do you want since, to tell?
2: Yeah, since okay. uh, since then, I've 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 also been asked. I'm, I'm a part of Free Black Thought, uh, which is an organization that is really celebrating diversity of thought and doing some wonderful things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with Empowered Pathways, um, you know, I I don't know if we want to like. I've got a couple of events coming up and. I got a lot of things. Tell 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 me me about about stop right now. Two hours and other things.
0: Tell me about one of your events real fast, and then we'll get to Deb.
2: So, what one of the events is a? uh, It's in Fort Worth on July sixteenth, and what it is, it's a it's a lecture discussion. With me and Eric Smith, and we are introducing an idea called fourth wave anti racism. Uh, we, are, we are advancing Ibram X. Kendi's definition and workings Whoa. of anti racism, and we're just elevating that conversation. We know a lot of people are looking, you know, are, are tired of butting heads and are realizing that this is a political ideology and it's not meant for uh, increasing human potential. So we're having a lecture discussion about that, a short, a short break. And then is a concert by uh, some amazing psychedelic funk, hip hop artists, uh, Cadillac Music. So we're going to, you know, be thoughtful and and celebrate and bring people together and really look to ignite something else in the culture. Um, You know, not woke not yelling at the woke but let's let's unify and let's do something different let's elevate. So that's awesome. one that's one of the events.
0: Awesome. Um and then we also have Deb who you know here Deb Filman. Deb would you mind reminding people who you are and what it is that you do?
1: Yeah. So um first and foremost I'm a mom and I'm also a former teacher and I have been speaking out about things that are going on in education in America, K through forever. <laughs> and um, so I, I'm really trying to encourage people to think about the problems we have in education at a higher level. So like not down to you know, the, the classroom and the lesson plan, but more like what, what, why do we educate kids in the first place? What should an education be? And what we can fight this sort of system or we can go that direction. And I'm more going in that direction of like, what should we be doing for our children? What do they need to thrive and succeed in life? And why don't we just take the energy, the money, the political capital, whatever it is that we have that we're throwing at a system that we're all dissatisfied with. When I say all, like most parents today are dissatisfied with it in some respect and 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 do what we need to do for our own kids. Like mm-hmm. if, if somebody were feeding them from one mass, kitchen, like the government food cafeteria or whatever, and they were withering and had rickets and whatever, we wouldn't just be screaming at them to start feeding them more nourishment. We would be going and finding ways to get them more nourishment. So that's what I'm trying to do is just reacquaint parents with, first of all, what it was to be a kid. A lot of people have forgotten how kids actually think and function because parents are being told a lot of hooey about what kids think, what kids want, what kids need. And you don't hear from the kids that much until they're teenagers and have already been under the government's wing long enough that you can't really trust what's coming out of their house because they're almost handpicked. They're speaking and, like the government. Exactly. And, you know, just remember back to your own time, would you want to sit in class and have these things happen to you? So, and then just to empower, I want to use my content to, um, I hate to use the word empower because it's overused, but to get parents to remember their parents (laughs) that they kind of signed up for this job and that it's an important job that they're capable of doing. Yeah. They absolutely are capable of it, that they've already taught their children a ton before they ever set foot in a school. And they just need to understand that they did that. They built that and they are perfectly capable of continuing to do that. Even if they only have a high school diploma, sometimes even if they don't have that, if you love your children and you want the best for your children and you are willing to engage and pay attention to your children not every minute of every day but just in terms of what they need you absolutely can do this so that's kind of what i'm trying to do
0: so i figured because you guys are both uh working in education working about uh we're working on things surrounding getting woke out of education that we'll probably be talking about some <laughs> recent things in the news and I have a couple of things queued up. And then if you guys have things you wanna talk about, great. Okay. Uh, before we get into the education though, I just wanted to show you guys this image because I think I'm the last person on the internet to see this. I know this was earlier in the month and the news cycles like this. So this happened the first week of May, but uh, Pirate, can you put up that picture? This is not really to education. This just cracked me up this morning. Scroll down just a little bit. <laughs> this, look at this. This was Hillary Clinton at the Met, and uh, she's wearing this this sort of Scarlet O'Hara type ball gown. And then she had this man who apparently his job—correct me in the chat if I'm wrong. His job was to follow. Oh, well, he's wearing a mask. If you're just listening, she's not, of course. It's a black man, and he his job was to follow her around and attend to the dress <laughs> the whole time. And I just thought this was such a such a I don't know, this image
1: just it grabs your attention. And if you scroll maybe like he's up- her lady in waiting. You yes. really should misgender him, Carrie. That's true. Maybe he's oh, a lady. Sorry. But I mean, that's that's the level of absurdity we're at. It's is so- that, that you know he could be her her lady? I, well, that's what the ladies in waiting used to do in like royalty or whatever. But um, yeah, that to me captures a lot, and you know, you see the roses on the bush in the back. Yes, I think it's roses or red flowers. All I can hear in my head from the Disney version yes. when I was looking is she's painting the roses red. red. She's painting the roses painting the red. red. Yes, and then I'm like the freaking Alice in Wonderland and the Queen of Hearts painting the roses red. they were yeah. or we're painting the roses red off That's, with their heads, off with their heads. That's all I could think of is she's she's the Queen of I wouldn't say Hearts, but yeah, you, know,
0: you get the joke. look at the look at this headline too. I thought this was a funny headline because I was looking this up to see. How did I even miss this? And I was looking to see what the news articles were saying about it. And one of the first headlines I came across was this one. It says, Met Gala 2022, Hillary Clinton's dress honors American women. (laughs) I don't know what. What? Okay. I feel very honored. Thank you. Is it like the Red
1: for (laughs) Handmaid's Tale or what exactly? Uh,
0: They do things just so they can say. I think she had some special embroidery on it that was, I don't know. Supposed to be, can't see it. Yeah. So there
2: should there should never be a situation to where one human being is wearing a mask, tending to the clothing of another human being, not wearing a mask. Yeah, I yeah. mean, so if we can just look at it like that, and then when you add elements and layer of power that the woke like to talk about, and really look look at it from the ruling class and the people's perspective, that's a pretty that's an accurate image of where we're at. And not only that, but it, it's tolerated, accepted, and applauded. Yeah. And because that type of behavior is tolerated, accepted, and be and applauded, it just continues another day, another it's week, like, another month. Yeah. And us plebs are just, oh,
0: Oh, look at it's, the dress! It's almost like a, I don't know. You're not supposed to see the help, you know. There's just that old right. antebellum South. It's like the help should be there, but not seen, not spoken to, or acknowledged. It just has that really,
2: yeah,
0: uh, first class citizen, second class citizen kind of feel to it. These pictures, and there's a picture of maybe Pirate can find it. There's a picture of uh, Scarlett O'Hara when she's having her dress put on. Um, uh, oh gosh, what was her mammy. slave yeah by mammy and she's like tightening up the corset in the back and it just made me think of this as sort of just someone there to attend to you and yeah it's also it's also we've talked about this a lot on this show anyway but it's like that Orwell quote from uh, animal farm you know right. some some animals are more equal than others it's it's yeah. different different rights for the elite yeah. you know the, the you lack know, of the mask
1: the backstory could be. It 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 could actually be something along the lines of, well, that person wasn't vaccinated and needed the job, so we allowed him to wear a mask because he wasn't vaccinated. She's vaccinated. I mean, they could have a million different things, but no matter no matter how much you parse it, you still come down to first of all, the optics suck, yeah. And we all know that if that were Melania, oh, forget about it, yeah. Oh, forget about it, right? And then the other thing is, you know, we constantly hear how. You know, optics matter, optics matter, impressions matter, things that you say, the cancel culture of, you know, but you said this, but you said this. How does it look? You need to do it. But that's a double standard. It only applies to people with certain beliefs. And she obviously has the correct beliefs. Yeah. And so whatever the backstory is, because I bet there'll be defenders who say, well, but, you know, it's because reasons. Yeah. I don't care.
0: But they have a double standard. You're right. If this were Melania Trump, oh my gosh, this would be on the news cycle for at least two days. You know, it would be this. Or or anybody that
2: belonged to the R gang.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, uh, there was another image and i can't find it right now but it was so somebody made a meme that said who wore it better it was a picture of her and then emperor palpatine is that his name i did that that. (laughs) that meme.
2: i did see that floating around
0: (laughs) that's what the internet's good for it's like yes that's what i've I've reminded it's not all terrible there's like good memers out there farming these things for laughs so um okay there's not all heroes were capes but they, but somewhere long red ball gowns yes. that honor women.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh,
0: I have a clip that I wanted to show you guys that I also saw this week. And this is education related. So maybe we can just start here. This, you probably, you guys probably saw this. Libs of TikTok is doing great work on Twitter, uncovering a lot of stuff about teachers um, from their private uh, TikTok videos to. Uh, videos of parents who are speaking at city council meetings and school board meetings. And so there was this, this video that went out this week and it was very similar to one that I had seen in another part of the country. Um, So this one was from Nevada. This is a school in Nevada. I think the other one I saw that was like this was in, um, oh, it was here in Texas. It was in Grapevine, Colleyville. There was a parent months ago who tried to read, at the school board meeting, some of the material that her child had been assigned and they cut the mic on her and said it was inappropriate for her to read those words at the meeting, even though I guess they considered it appropriate for her child to have to read those things. So this is very similar. This is happening across the country. And in case you guys haven't seen it, let's just play this short clip. I? 15-year-old daughter at a
4: local high school. This will be horrifying for me to read to you but that will give you perspective on how she must have felt when her teacher required her to memorize this and to act it out in front of her entire class i don't love you it's not you it's just i don't like your dick or any in that case i cheated joe i'm sorry that me. Going to put excuse now. me. Excuse me. Excuse me. I don't. Thank you so much for your, thank you for your uh, comment. Forgive me. I, we're not using profanity. Are you?
0: Okay. So they bleeped her because she used the D I C K word okay. twice. This this
4: required my daughter to read, memorize this, and read this pornographic material. Uh, excuse me. Please don't engage with the audience. Okay. Uh, sorry, so my please continue your here. public comment. Your your time is. You've got one one minute and nineteen seconds. Um, I ask you simply: this is a public meeting. I ask for decorum, um, and I'm asking, Dr. Jara. Thank you so much, Dr. Jara. Yeah. So, so they don't end you up. You want me to read it to you. What was that like for my 15 year old daughter to have to memorize pornographic material, and um, and memorize it and. Madam President, Excellent. members of the board stats on this, um, we can have the region Superintendent speak.
1: Thank you, Pirate. Yeah, yeah that's, I mean, I, it, 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 the, what I said, uh, the kid, kids are not in the mix here. Every time, everything I've seen in the last two years tells me that the adults running public education and to a large degree private education right now are the, the children are an afterthought. The They are treated like miniature adults and infants, alternately, depending on what the goal of the adults in charge you know, is at that moment, which if you think it confuses us parents, imagine how the children feel, where one minute they're treated like peers of their teachers, Tell me your secrets. I won't tell your mom and dad. It's okay. I, you know what do you what do you really want? Are you fe- do you not like your mom? Do you not like your dad? Here, fill out the survey. And that's just completely inappropriate. They're getting down on the same like peer level with this school. Or let me tell you about my date the other day. The teacher, if I can't talk about my sex life and my students and my freedom of speech is being curtailed. I mean, with this with the law in Florida. So on the one hand, they want to treat them like they're miniature adults who want to hear these things unsolicited, who want to have these conversations. They keep saying, the children need this, the children want this. Who said, how do you know they don't? And then in the next breath, it's like, no, it's too hard. We can't have these standards and we can't have tests and we can't have grades and we can't kick people out because it's just too scary and hard for them. And we need to have lots and lots of social workers in the classroom. Wait a minute. Is my child capable at 15 of memorizing pornographic material and acting it out or role playing it in front of her whole class without any kind of trauma whatsoever But then somebody commented on her hair and we need to send her to therapy? Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry, what? And understand something. This is by design. This is by design. What's the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal isn't mental health. The ultimate goal is a fracturing of the self, Mm -hmm. breaking down any sense of integrity of your own boundaries, being perpetually off kilter and confused as to where you stand and who you have to please to be safe. Because when you're in a state of heightened arousal like that, you're malleable. Cults do it. Manipulators do it. Uh, whether yeah. they're a manipulative spouse or whatever. Keeping you on edge about what's going to be okay and what do you have to do to be emotionally and physically safe all day is how you make people easy to manipulate. Easy to control. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That's why they do it. Jay, did you see that video?
2: I did. Yeah. Yeah yeah uh you know it community it's time for communities to to come together and have, have value checks together uh, i remember 20 years ago in education there was a big big push to for, for parent involvement of uh, parent school family relationship like that was a strategic pursuit and a strategic partnership What I've noticed the past few years, really, I would say year and a half to two years on an accelerated front, there seems to be an us versus them with parents and schools. And a lot of that seems to be driven from schools not willing to accept parents as partners anymore. It's like schools have their have their hands out. Um, so I, I feel that school leaders, uh, and family and community need to need to come together and look at the things that, that we're teaching our kids, look at the values that we're passing on. And is that what's going to be best for them in the long run? Or are we feeding some sort of immediate emotional satisfaction? Are, Are we, are we making decisions for that immediate dopamine hit and to Mm -hmm. be accepted? Uh, Because if that's, if that's the thinking process, the ideas that we're kicking down the road aren't, aren't very good for us in the long run.
0: Yeah. There is this definite, the pattern I've noticed in all these videos, and it doesn't matter if they're from Virginia or Texas or Nevada, like this one, the, there is this almost contempt, that you can feel from the school boards or some of the city councils towards parents who are there to speak up, and it, it, and maybe that part of that is because parents have just started becoming aware of all the stuff that's in their schools, in the public schools, in the past couple of years, and so these so-called confrontations at city council meetings and at school board meetings are kind of new, and I feel like the the administrators and the the teachers, uh, the board members, anyway. They're not used to being, they're not used to being called out. They're not used to having people there in their face saying, you know, I want to have a say in my kid's education.
2: Right, um, and these,
0: these meetings have probably been very boring until the past couple of years.
2: <laughs> and, and if you add in the ideological belief that if the school board are believers of the new ideology, and the parents are not, th- mm-hmm. there's this automatic because it's adversarial. The- because those that believe it do not have any respect or dignity or compassion or willingness to listen to those that do not,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and there's yeah. there's an automatic we we are right we know what's best you don't know what's best or right you're just an ignorant plebe, so mm-hmm. if if there's that type of barrier to communication. Th- the result there's not going to be any positive results and the harmful practices are gonna be are gonna be continued.
0: Yeah I want to talk more about some of the stuff that you're working on now Jason but um, I do want to show one more video I sent this one to you in in telegram pirate and yeah, this one this uh,
1: one oh my god sorry yeah. I've seen this I have not so seen much
0: this. so this is from a week or two ago again news cycle so fast now and this is one of those those TikTok videos that teachers are making where they're uh putting it all out there and talking about what it is they want to do and how they don't view parents as part of the process and so this is a teacher uh making a. i'll just let her speak first about herself let's play it
3: good morning friends it's friday and i usually on Friday. Uh, so today's TikTok is for two groups of people. One, to the kids I usually make TikToks with, and four, I'm sorry the cell phone policy has prevented us from making TikToks the past couple of weeks, and I certainly hope that sometime by the end of the year we can start making them again, because I miss it, and I like seeing you guys in the hallway and talking about TikToks. Can
1: you pause um, it there for a second? The second- okay, just... First of all, she's flirting with her fucking students. I'm oh, sorry, I had to say it. I can't take it. Yes, she's flirting with them. Look at that face. She's flirting with her kids. She's got she's got romance music playing in the
0: background. She's doing these eyes that uh, are sometimes called the romancer. She's doing the romancer eyes at the camera, like she's flirting with the camera and the audience, which is she just said the audience is her kids. This is for the. The kids I usually make TikToks with and for, you know, and it's all the, what, what is with this body language, this flirt body
2: language? See, I And she
1: also says, and I miss it. I miss it. This is about her and her emotional sustenance.
2: Maybe I, I didn't pick, pick up that, but maybe that's why I'm single. I don't, I don't pick up on that.
1: Well, we're, we're telling you, Jason, that's, that's, she's
0: flirting.
2: (laughs) Okay, Jason. If a lady
0: sends you a video like this, she's flirting with you. <laughs> if she's doing a
1: lot of this and a lot okay. of you know,
0: she uh, tilts good her to know. head
1: to the extreme angle, and she talks about how she misses you, and it's I just I That's it.
2: I miss. That's good to know.
1: You, but but yeah. it's not uh, tilting
0: your head to think; it's tilting your head with your eyes locked on the subject in that romancer way so she's got the hotel and the locked in like i I see
2: that now i see that now
0: (laughs) oh my goodness okay kevin
1: says i'm with jason i don't get women (laughs) but you know but you know carrie the other thing is that the thing that is worth mentioning right about now is the other double standard that if this woman were caught sleeping with one of her students People would be twisting themselves into a pretzel to not call it rape. Mm-hmm. Okay. They would, be in, they, they would be like, you know, almost joking about how lucky the guy is, etc. And so for the now, of mm-hmm. course, if it's a woman, they'd probably be like, you know, you can't judge. But the point is, if a, if it's a man, people would immediately see that's a problem. If a man did this exact video, this exact video. I would say yeah. I really missed you guys and okay. making TikTok videos with you, whatever. People would instantly be like, whoa, I would know, pick up the-
2: those creep vibes. Yeah, but like, all right, but you're she's a, a
1: woman, right? She's a woman and she gets away with it. There is like something in teaching there. There's there's sort of a range of what people call nurturing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry. It's grown too big.
2: It's time it's to start grown tearing way down too the matriarchy.
1: yeah Yeah. it's it's it should not be you're not the mommy and you're not the girlfriend you're certainly not the wife whatever the heck your relationship is still a position of authority above the student and there needs to be a level of emotion and neutrality there that doesn't mean you're cold it doesn't mean you're mean but you must be a little bit dispassionate with the students as far as their emotions their emotions are theirs and you the last thing you do is project yours onto them i miss it i miss you guys If a parent did that (laughs) to their child and put their own feelings onto their child, you would immediately go, that's creepy. Yeah, yeah, it's so creepy.
0: Okay, we're going to finish playing it because this is, first she addresses her student, the the kids I usually, the kids I usually make TikToks with and for and I miss you and, and romance her eyes. And now she addresses the parents. Part of
3: my message is for the parents who feel it necessary to complain to school about my TikToks i'm not apologizing uh, i just hope you realize that i don't make the TikToks for you i make them for the kids and with the kids because it's fun and it breaks up our day and it's fun so um kids i hope we can have fun again sometime soon and i truly do miss making them with you have an awesome friday um and have a super weekend and be nice to your moms because it's mother's day
1: after she oh. just got done saying the parents who feel it necessary to complain, I don't make them for you and because it's fun. Yeah, well, I hate to break it to you, sweetheart. We don't send our kids to school to have fun with you Making or TikToks. to break up your day. Yeah. You're, you you do a job, okay? It's not our day. The day belongs to them and you're paid to be there. They're not. They're required to be there by law and we're required to get them there by law or we'll get in trouble and you get a paycheck. So, No. This isn't about breaking up your day or having fun or whatever. If there's not an educational value to doing this activity, then you need to stop. If there's if it's borderline creepy that you are getting into a strange peer-to-peer relationship with a child who is not your peer and you're blurring the lines and boundaries of their emotional uh, safety, it's grooming. It doesn't have to result in a sexual advance for it to be grooming. There could be ideological grooming, emotional ideological. grooming. It doesn't matter. It's manipulative. Yeah um sorry I'm, i get very passionate about these no that's fine i'm just i believe they are messing how... with our
0: kids heads they are jason i'm just still laughing that you didn't know that was flirting <laughs> <laughs> at least the, <laughs> all the behavioral cues it's like that body language there's a good show you should watch it's called the behavior panel it's these four behavior experts and they're amazing and uh Lately, I've been watching cause they've been doing some pretty good breakdowns of the Amber Heard testimony and, mm. and all the all the nonverbal cues and stuff. So, anyway, watch those guys and you'll be able to better tell when a lady. I'll have to. I'll
2: have to check that out. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, okay. So th- there's so many of these videos. We could spend the whole hour, hour and a half, whatever, watching these. But I do want to talk about some of the, some of the positive ways to, to change what's happening and for parents to address what's happening and in their schools. And Jason, you've been working on, because you came from SEL, you're, you were an educator for how long? 20 years?
2: 21 years. Yeah. 21 years. Yeah.
0: Can you tell people about, because I know a lot of parents are now familiar with CRT, what it is, how it's infiltrated the schools. But I think SEL is the next thing that parents need to learn about. Can you just do a brief, what is SEL?
2: Sure. Yeah. Uh, parents <clears throat> may recognize the term soft skills or emotional intelligence, maybe character education, those types of things. That, that's the umbrella theme of what SEL is. Um, when I started, SEL focused on, you know, developing self-awareness self-management, relationship skills, social awareness.
0: And and SEL stands for?
2: Social and emotional learning. How do we cultivate those social and emotional learning skills? Which is a fantastic idea. You know, those are the, like, how do we communicate effectively? How do we maintain healthy relationships? What do we do when when we get really angry and upset? How do we, you know... How do we manage this crazy-ass thing called life? SEL is those types of skills. Uh, and around 2017, started to be a, a shift in, in practice. You know, the, the trainings and things that, that I was attending uh, were no longer about what I had just mentioned. now we were moving into the new, the new racial narrative of these people are privileged and these people are oppressed, you know, whiteness and everything that's really in just embedded in the culture now started around 2017 in my immediate workplace. And I started asking questions uh, that did not go well, as we've previously discussed. Mm -hmm. And fast forward to 2020, the whole national organization, the Collaborative for Academic and Social and Emotional Mm -hmm. Learning castle they completely shifted uh sel to now reflect the ideology so now in schools social and emotional learning is taught from a philosophical lens that the individual is problematic rather than what do you mean the individual's problematic well the, the unit the, the individual is where is the problem for or is the reason for injustice. Individual autonomy is the reason for you know the the reason why we behave badly. That's that's the underlying philosophical theme of the ideology. So now SEL is taught from a collectivist perspective. Mm-hmm. And which is what, I'll just
0: interrupt for a second, yeah. which is what social justice is. It's a collectivist philosophy right. that says you, you judge and treat people differently based on what group, what it, what racial group they're in, what sex group they're in, what sexuality group they're in, et cetera.
2: Right. But so so what I did what I discovered just through looking at human behavior and really, you know, what is the cause of racism? Because I was attending all of these trainings that kept talking, you know root cause and, you know, hours and hours of these DEI trainings, but there was nothing ever there. And clearly there is racism in our world. And clearly there is bigotry and clearly there is all kinds of wrong stuff. So I started trying to figure what is it? And it's, it's essentially dehumanization. Like anytime we place somebody on the outside of the circle of us, we psychologically allow ourselves to harm those people. So when we absolve the individual into a group, we're automatically in our minds, in everybody's minds, allowing us to do harm, like like, like real harm, not harm like I said potato, and you prefer me to say potato. You know, I, I mean like real... Physical violence, like what we see on the news when, yeah. we, see, when we see these tragedies that we see, mm-hmm. it's because we are in, we're steadily increasing the human capacities for prejudice, aggression, and cruelty. Social justice, critical social justice, this intersectional Marxism, the successor ideology, whatever we want to call this thing in our culture... By the way, it absolves the individual into a group, and then puts the groups into conflict with each other over power and resources. We're ne- it's never going to change. And It's the put-
0: same old. It's 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 uh it's the same old racism. It's like the devil got a new trick. It's a, right. the same old bad ideology, but, but with new packaging because it's still like. We need to divide people into right. those racial groups. Well,
2: and it's not just it's not just white people against black people. If you look at the, all of the the let's just let's take the, the rainbow flag and that whole organization. If you look at the fighting and splintering and lack of getting along within the inclusion community, you know it's not working because even they are in conflict with each other over power and resources. So if we advance this, this thing has like five to ten years to weed out of our culture. And it's going to take active pushing back, active, hey, let's do something different. Hey, let's start talking about it differently so more people will come talk about things like this with us. So,
0: is that why you're calling your event uh, with Free Black Thought? You guys are calling it uh, Fourth Wave Anti-Racism.
2: We're calling it Fourth Wave Anti-Racism. Yeah, because you
0: think it will attract some of the woke. I
2: we we hope it attracts everybody. We hope that the notion of human dignity and strengthening our common humanity is is appealing to everybody. That's that's a way. The, the biggest that I can make my circle of us is to include everybody. Mm-hmm. And until everybody is willing to, to take that on, is to say, you know what, how, how big can I make my circle? Like I don't give a shit what you, you know what you believe, who you are, what you want to do, as long as you don't harm people, you're with me. I want you to go be happy living your life in a, meaning, in a way that is meaningful to you. Like if we could get behind that idea and how do we live and navigate in this society? Because there's other plans being made for us. It, the, and those and, plans are for us to be in perpetual conflict with each other and for our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren to be in perpetual conflict. Uh, That's what the philosophy says.
0: Those plans also include us eating bugs so right yeah. i've Don't, seen that yeah <laughs> living
1: I, in have a, I have a slide that okay. might help people understand um, oh yes, how creepy this is okay so what jason was talking about is back in the day the soft skills that he was describing things like self-awareness self-management social awareness, relationship skills, responsible decision-making. I bet when we say each of these, each of you in the audience comes up with something in your head of what that means, right? Well, did you ever think that self-awareness meant personal and sociocultural identities, recognition of beliefs, mindsets, and biases? Did you, did you, did you think that you're being self-aware? Was you sitting and ticking off your little intersectional boxes of what your externalized identities was? Because I never did. How about self-management? Stress management, self-care, perseverance, and agency. Okay, maybe that's part of it. Social awareness, perspective taking, empathy, and belonging, perhaps. But you see, the problem is each of these can be turned to the group. Hmm. Okay, you know, it's like empathy. Why? I mean, you should have empathy, but social awareness doesn't automatically mean empathy. You could be the least empathetic person in the world and to begin to understand the social hierarchies in your environment and not feel inclined to feel empathy. You have to have empathy modeled for you. It's not something you can top down teach. Um, belonging. This is a word you're going to see a lot. They try to make the word belonging into some magical thing that, you know, well, we all need it. And if we don't have it by somebody else's estimation, then bad things will happen. But belonging is something that each of us individually decides, you know, what it means, how much we need it, what it will look like to us, what it will feel like to us. And then, of course, whether we have it or we don't, if somebody comes along and tells you, you don't belong, or, you know, we automatically recognize that as bullying, right? What if somebody comes along and and describes feelings you are having that are normal feelings? Like, oh, I'm 13 and I don't, I don't know, I feel awkward and weird and everything's changing and I have different weird emotions. My emotions are all over the place. And somebody categorizes that to you as, oh, you're not in an environment that c- contributes to your sense of belonging. And then they I, come along and hand you a golden ticket. I want to
0: interject here for a second because, and some people are mentioning this in chat, belonging is cult speak. Someone said, they, the social justice world, they're constantly obsessed. They're obsessed with manipulating language and controlling your thought through controlling Mm -hmm. what words you think are appropriate to speak. And they, they will move on from a word in order to justify, like saying, we haven't done enough yet. There's still all this institutionalized racism. There's still all this institutionalized sexism, et cetera. In order to justify that, They'll change the word. So it used to be diversity is what they were talking about having, whether it's in the workplace or in the school. It's all diversity, diversity, diversity. They went through this period where they said diversity is not enough. We need inclusion. Diversity, you know, now we need inclusion. And it was all about inclusion. We've got to do more because we don't have inclusion yet. We have diversity, but not inclusion. And now they're switching to belonging. And you're right, Deb. I just wanted to underline what you said there. You're going to be seeing that word a lot. We it's new- inclusion's not enough we need belonging. But there and then is relation- no belonging.
2: What? There is no belonging. Right, and, you belong and, to yourself. <laughs> well, and I mean amongst these people that project this stuff. Uh mm-hmm. the, and there is no perspective taking. And there is that all of all of these things and, and I say that because some of the most uh, awful treatment that I've received from other human beings were from social and emotional learning specialists uh, that, that uh, were even once upon a time friends. But the ideology came in, I have quite, so there's, no, there's not belonging. If you don't believe in the ideology, you don't, be, well, I guess that's belonging. If you don't believe in the ideology, you don't belong. Yeah. And that's, that's right. And that's that's not a healthy idea. That's not a healthy idea to like if you don't believe Coca-Cola is better than Dr. Pepper, then you don't belong. You know, whatever the idiotic idea is. But especially it's if you don't believe that the only way to solve human complexities is through this idea, then you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. Correct. Like that, that right there needs to be rooted out of every single working group, every single institution. I'm I'm hoping that because I know I, I was quiet for a long time. Right. Um, But in 2017, 2018, there wasn't all it. But now that there's mass, like what is happening? I'm hoping that people in the in their small group will say, hey, let's, you know, We've got we've got to get this idea out of our system because it's damaging to us and it's just going to damage the future.
1: Right, and they and you know it's we're also making people dependent. I mean, if you look at things like relationships on the collective, you know, yeah, right, collect collaborative problem solving. You'll see a lot of like uh, project based work, inquiry based lessons in schools, and then co construction. This is so important. Co-construction, they are actually saying in schools now to our children that they co-construct knowledge, that they co-construct the learning. So if you're, yes, if you're dependent on other people to literally understand what's right in front of you, to co-construct what you actually learned from something, how do you have any agency at all? Then effective interpersonal communication, that's a trick one. Effective, by their definition, is that you're subservient to what the the majority of people want you to think and believe. That is effective communication. You challenge, you debate, you you put people in an uncomfortable position with regard to their views, of course, as long as they adhere to the narrative, then you are not effectively communicating. It's so different. These words don't mean what you think they're gonna mean. And of course, the final one, they equate responsible decision-making, not with what the individual does to take care of the individual. But with ethical responsibility, distributive justice. Look at that distributive word, distributive justice. Yeah,
0: distributive. That means taking from people that they think have too much power and resources based on what group they're in, not who, not how many, it, how, how much power or resource they have as an individual.
1: That means taking also, that from them and giving it. It also means punishing people equitably, which means if there are too many children who look a certain way. Who are getting punished? We need to go find some that look the other way and punish them too. We need to redistribute justice in the school, and you will find kids getting brought up on, you know, like disciplinary actions for the most minor, minor infractions. And when you go and ask about it, because that this happened to me with my own kids, when you ask about it and you say I don't, I don't understand, they tell you, well, we have a disproportionate number of children who are getting in trouble who look like this, and we need to fight and combat stigma and make things equitable. And I'm like on the backs of my child and yes that's responsible decision making by the administration collective well-being in the school climate parents when you hear that your kids have to take a survey or they ask you for permission to opt into a school climate survey you say no you say no because that first of all it's data mining and second of all all of it is geared towards finding out who the holdouts are who are the alphas who are the betas and who are the gammas that's what they're looking for, and if your kid is an alpha, if your kid has any kind of dominance in their personality or any kind of independent spirit or whatever, they're going to focus on how they can better crush it. Yeah. I know I'm not exaggerating. I'm sorry, that's the fact.
0: Uh, you're exactly right. I talked to a principal about this. They get these numbers that they he's being told to look at these numbers where they say like you you know we have a problem. We have a disparate Uh, racial or or gender figures here in terms of tardiness or um, test scores. And so we need to change that. And how do they change it? They change it by, as you said, either increasing punishment on the group that's not as represented in the the statistics or by then saying, well, we are not going to punish this group because of their race or because of their sex, we're not gonna punish them if they're tardy or if they don't turn in the homework or whatever, because we have to get our numbers looking correct. And correct. The, it's complete its complete sexism, it's complete racism. But they justify it because they, the, you know, it, when you're in social justice, you're taught that the ends justify the means. And so as long as you think you're doing this so, for good, that it's okay. Um, well i'm gonna i'm gonna ugh. let me interrupt real quick jason hold that thought i just i'm way behind on these so i just want to thank these people real quick vincent ferrari thank you gave us a super chat uh, he's,
1: i i told him to come on because he made aw. this necklace and so i was like broadcasting i was like go 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 to his website he makes great things woodworking jewelry all kinds of oh stuff yes cool. he's my friend
0: <laughs> thank you for showing up kent hello kent he says could Deb riff a bit about montessori
1: I want to make sure Jason gets his point in, but maybe at some point I could. Okay. Sure. We'll oh, I was just
2: going to say the 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 good side mm-hmm. is if you believe that the individual has worth and value, mm-hmm. then you should not be a social justice person. And that's, that's how you know. Yes. Like if you believe yes. that the individual, that every person is a unique and worthy individual, then you then you cannot be a social justice warrior. You, you just, you cannot. So it, right. if, if you are, if you believe that the individual has worth and value and every person should be allowed to live their life in a healthy way, then you cannot be a social justice warrior, period. Or advance social justice ideology, tolerate it, accept it.
0: Not any more than you could be a white supremacist. Like, if you believe in the individual, you can't right. be in a collectivist belief system. And, and, I, and I've
2: been told that that concept of the individual is racist.
0: Of course they will say that without explaining what they meant, mean or making yeah. an argument. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm like, do you think the people that are will be born in 50 years are going to be happy with the, that decision that you made? Yeah. You know?
0: Def, can you riff a bit about Montessori? Does he, do you have something to say about it?
1: Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, Well, for starters, I've done some stuff on my channel about Ayn Rand and she wrote something in 1970 called the Comprachicos and she referred to the progressive style of education as the Comprachicos of the mind. Comprachicos were uh, written about by Victor Hugo, sort of, I don't know if they were real, but there were people who traveled around and bought children and then sort of Uh, mutilated them and made them grotesque for the entertainment of Kings and Dukes and things like that. They would buy them and sell them and and basically warp their bodies. And she said that what she saw in progressive education is they were doing it to their minds and making them incapable of conceptualizing and, and, and understanding the world around them. And they were just more like little animals that, you know, could speak and talk and walk, but they really weren't capable of, of thriving. Uh, So in other words, their minds had been like tinkered with and, she spoke about Montessori as being the opposite of that um, because at the time, certainly in the 70s, and I actually went to um, a Montessori early school, like preschool, if you will. And I stayed there through what would have been the equivalent of, I guess, third grade. They do not really have grades in Montessori school, but um, till I was eight years old, I was in Montessori school and I have nothing but phenomenal memories of it. Um, what I liked about it and what I think Ayn Rand liked about it is that that is not play-based learning. In other words, it's not just learning where, you know, the whatever the whims of the kid, you know, here's a bunch of toys, go play. And, you know, the kid's just roaming around like a little animal playing. There are sort of centers, little areas in the, in the room, in the building, where whatever the school is, that are equipped with a lot of the things that provoke natural curiosity. And ch- children are born learners, They're just absolutely born to like gobble up information and knowledge and touch things and play with things, whatever. So I remember there being a section for water and lots of containers that would hold water and pour water and measure water and do all kinds of things with water. And then there was one similarly with like fabric and scissors and all kinds of things you could cut. Now, mind you, this is for kids three to five, All right? So, but I remember it so vividly, Um, art supplies, then other ones where we would build things, so we could build uh, structures, and then we had a reading section where you could go and just read, and it was full of all kinds of books you could choose. I spent most of my time there. So we, you know, we didn't have reading class or math class or whatever. But even by the time I was in what you would have said was first grade, I was already reading.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I was already reading because I would spend the time that I wanted to spend in the book area, and of course, the teachers would provide leadership. So they didn't stand at the front of the room and say, and now you will do this, but they would have a story time and they would read to us to get our minds, you know, curious about books. And then we would have designated time that we could go read, or you could just choose to go read. And they would come around and talk to you about where you're reading and you'd have little conversations about your you're reading and you'd see other kids reading and same thing for playing with uh, materials. And there was no sense of I'm doing something wrong because right now I would rather read than go play with the water table. And then the kids playing with the water or doing little math things with manipulatives. They didn't feel wrong because they weren't reading. They just didn't want to do that right then, but they were going to do it, which is different from a progressive nursery school where it's kind of like we, we play and we do art projects and we, you know, it's kind of like they actually direct what everyone's doing for an hour. And then they direct, you know, this other thing, but there's not, there's not a lot of, uh, it's not geared towards real world experiences. It's more just pure play, free for all. And it's like a little wilding. The kids are like, my toy, give me that. It's like perpetual recess. So Montessori is a little bit, it's everyone thinks of it as unstructured, but there's sort of a a hidden structure. At least it's supposed to be. And like a couple of quotes from her, she says, it's not enough for the teacher to love the child. She must first love and understand the universe. She must prepare herself and truly work at it. So leaving aside that she says her, um, because it could be anybody, but you really need to love life and think that the world is an amazing place worth learning about and living in. And you need to be that role model for the child. You're not just a, a classroom manager. My concern right now with, with the way Montessori has been um, implemented these days is that the some of the schools calling themselves Montessori right now are implementing equity plans and taking on some of the progressive stuff, but calling themselves Montessori. So they're taking open classroom style, meaning we don't sit at little desks. They're taking um, the idea of having sort of centers of, of inquiry or whatever, and they're calling it Montessori without having the teaching staff truly trained in Montessori methods, Montessori understanding of child development, Montessori, uh, guidance and leadership p- plans. So it sort of surface looks like Montessori, but isn't necessarily Montessori. There's one in particular in DC that calls itself a Montessori school, but they have made social justice, education like a centerpiece of what they're doing. It is now no longer Montessori because Montessori is by definition individualistic. It is wow. by definition geared towards the imagine the unique talents, imagination mm-hmm. and growth of the individual, child this this makes me think of how woke has infiltrated the church
0: because it's it's uh the antithesis of the gospel but you've now got some churches pushing it and so it sounds like it's the antithesis of montessori but you've got some montessori schools doing it what are the instead of the like the water area or the uh, blocks area or the maybe would they have like the privilege walk area or is it is it well they will what
1: they What they might be tempted to do is they might be tempted to put in the reading area all kinds of Montessori, um, you know, all kinds of uh, Montessori, not Montessori, all kinds of social justice books and things like that. And so you have to look very, very carefully. Like, for example, there's something called the American Montessori Society, and it seems legit, right? Like, oh, that's, that's great. But if I go there and I type in equity, up comes welcoming our new justice, equity, diversity and inclusion staff. Wow, this would not happen. Maria Montessori would buy, never buy into this. There's no way she would buy into this. So it, they'll call themselves something and parents might think, oh, so that's what Montessori is. No better to go to something like the um, Montessori 150.org, which celebrates Maria Montessori's legacy and everything that she stood for and look up, you know, her quotes and her history and things that she taught and read her books and her own writing. And I recommend this to homeschoolers, especially for your very young children. Um, I think Montessori is a phenomenal method um and you know of education it works very well for a lot of kids and uh but you're gonna have to do it on your own these days you're gonna have to be very very careful
0: well thank you thanks for taking us down the Montessori I hope hole. that's what I hope yeah. that's
1: what uh, he wanted
0: <laughs> okay uh let me speed through some of these real quick Zeta thank you Sarah says Hillary's just like us I bet she even has hot sauce in her purse <laughs> yes I've heard much about her hot sauce um doc savage thank you doc savage gives the super chat and says i don't get it that teacher was just trying to get laid what's wrong with that (laughs) i wish she was my teacher back in the day yeah those are the comments we hear whenever it's a female abuser that's right yeah i know that sarcasm but that's actually people say that stuff and mean it whenever there's a story of a like mary Kay. that was one of the first ones that went big um female teachers abusing male students uh chuck davis I think we've covered some of this already, but if but it's a great question. If there's if there's uh, any any more differences you guys want to make, Chuck Chuck Davis says, "What's the difference between SEL, social justice, and CRT?"
2: I can take a shot at that. Yeah. Um, so basically, CRT is that academic thing that they only teach in law school. blah, blah blah blah. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, Yeah. So it's like a smaller tool. And then social justice is just this the overarching theme of advancing the rights for a group. And then SEL is a K-12 vehicle uh, that deals with emotions. So a, a lot of the social justice and CRT... Ideas are being embedded and Into. dispersed through social and emotional learning. Now, not all social and emotional learning. Uh, I recently co-authored an essay uh, with Eric Smith and is released on the Free Black Thought Substack. But it we really break down the different because there's <clears throat> there is a. SEL that has combined social justice and CRT and that's called transformational SEL and that's what happened in 2020 it really kind of no longer became SEL but it became transformational SEL
0: I think we have a link to this article you're talking about by the way if pirate can, if you can pull put that one on the screen while he's talking
2: And if you're like, what the hell is going, like, what is this and this? And it's so, like, it's supposed to be confusing because it's kicking this can down the road. I heard the word equity being used. uh, And now when equity is, that that means equal outcomes. We're putting forth a radical idea of equal outcomes. But this is... uh, really breaking down the difference of the type of social and emotional learning that that Eric and I are doing through empowered pathways versus what's happening in the world and the metaphor for that is Eric and I are essentially minnows swimming upstream in a hurricane tornado so we're trying we're raising awareness of what is happening because one thing human beings are social and emotional creatures by our design like that that's what we do. That's how we interact. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. Uh, we build form relationships and we get mad and we, we bounce back. We do all that. So we are trying to, and in this moment, we're all in a social and emotional crisis. These past two years have been hell on our humanity. They've been hell on our well-being. They've really been hard on relationships. So, we're kind of being broken down on the social-emotional level. So what what we're doing is say, hey, it's, it's not all bad. And for people that actually are looking to increase their personal well-being and increase relationships and increase just feeling better and being better and working with each other and not having elements of shame and resentment and mistrust in our groups because that's what social justice does. Mm-hmm. We've developed, you know, my, my my big dream is if empowered humanity theory, that's what we call it, if empowered humanity theory were embedded in every single DEI diversity, equity and inclusion bureaucracy and in every single social and emotional learning program the woke idea it, it will it would it would dissolve within two or three years so there was a way for me to get that into every single one of those bureaucracies these six set of these six attitudes and practices it would replace what what's happening in our institutions
0: so that article just so everyone watching knows uh pirate dropped the link to it in the chat and you can find it at the free black thought Substack, Mm -hmm. where jason and eric do a lot of their writing about these subjects
2: um, and way better writers than I are on there as well. There's <laughs> a lot of really, that's a really, really meaningful and interesting sub stack. I would encourage everybody to subscribe.
0: I want to take a stab at this question too. Um, and I'm going to try to make it a look concise, but, uh, uh, my brain's not working very well today. So let's see. Uh, so social justice is an, is a big, like it's an umbrella and underneath it, you have all these different. Um, movements based on identity because social justice is it's it's the broad overarching ideology that says we must judge and treat one another differently on the basis of these identity groups and we have to redistribute power and resources on the basis of these identity groups so under that belief system they go and take all these different movements they've tried to take a uh, uh, civil rights movement, they've tried to take the feminist movement, they've taken anything that's based around identity, race, gender, sexuality, your size, like whether or not you're fat or, or uh, you know your mental health. They take all these identity categories and all of that's under social justice. So critical race theory is just one of these. Critical race theory, that's also why we see queer theory in the classrooms now. It's They're pushing all of these different things. It's like, why is critical race theory connected to queer theory? because they're both part of social justice. Why is it connected to this third wave feminism and gender ideality, all social justice? Um, and what you said, that word vehicle was great. SEL, the way I see it, it's a vehicle. It's something that already existed that they're now using. They're getting inside of it like a car yep. and driving it to carry their social justice, CRT stuff, crap all over the school. Um, and they're and using other things as vehicles too.
2: December I... December twenty twenty is when they took over the SEL vehicle. Now that essay that I shared, I have I've shared that with a castle board member because I've I'm trying to, you know, I'm not just like, oh God, everything's bad. Like, no, we've got to really change things. So I, I shared that with a castle board director and he replied, uh, this is I y'all took a lot of care and Made, a, made, a, made your argument well, but then did not uh, accept a meeting with us to discuss our approaches.
0: So what you're trying to do, just to tag off this idea of the vehicle, you, you, these people pushing social justice and, and critical race theory and queer theory and gender ideology and, and fourth wave feminism, all this stuff, They're using things like SEL as vehicles to get it out there. They're using things. They're even using the hard sciences now. They're embedding it in math. They're embedding it in biology. But so what you're trying to do is interesting because I view you as you're almost like the Trojan horse. Like you want to get empowered pathways into SEL because it's the antidote for woke.
2: Yes. Yes, okay. and not just SEL, but diversity, equity, like every business organization and every school organization that is looking to increase their climate and culture and increase the well-being of the individuals within their organizations, and in from a non-woke and from a non-the uh, individual is bad and autonomy is bad point of view, because. If you're not equipping the individuals within your your systems, your systems are going to be bad is kind of the the bottom line there. So, you know, we we do, you know, educator professional development and corporate trainings to hopefully get these, get this out of the culture because, you know, we talked last time what the culture is a dress rehearsal for the political. And we said that last year, And our movement, the movement for the individual and for sovereignty has not made a lot of progress in the past year. Yeah. So I'm now I believe that it's time for us to really, really do things. And that's why I've kind of stepped up and like, hey, I'm going to plan these two events and let's see uh, who comes. I'm hoping to impact, you know, a thousand plus people. Uh. And then those people can go in their communities and say, hey, look, because we want to replicate them all over the country, you know, the the lecture and concert, you know, that we feel that's a that's a wonderful way if we could get that show on college campuses, you know, if you get people to come together and listen to some ideas and then celebrate with each other, you know. We feel that's a that's a good way to uh, stop what's happening on on the college campuses as well. We have to transform the culture. So we're looking we're providing something new and something different for people that are tired of arguing on Twitter and, (laughs) you know, looking actually look let's let's make this change. Let's let's see if we can stop this thing that looks like there's no way in the world we can stop. Let's pull the the biggest rope a dope in human history, you know? I love or. your
0: optimism and I love <laughs> that you have you're like I'm going to we're going to Trojan horse it, guys. Like let's go in and let's take this in and sell it and and I do think the way you've named it is great because you are trying to attract everybody and the problem is a lot of woke people are immediately turned off by certain things. And yeah, they, and and they've been taught not to engage uh, with people who have different beliefs, and so you're using some of their language to make it feel safer for them, which is great.
2: Well, and they really hate this. The what first really shocked me was the rejection of our common humanity, <clears throat> and the rejection of human dignity, and just seeing the you know the woke people. Strongly and firmly reject reject that and call our common humanity a white supremacist uh, idea. I was like, that's an that idea needs to be out of our culture because that's damaging and that's clearly a political. That there's yeah. no sense behind that, but that yeah. but that was four years ago, and so we have to, we have to change and we, and I'm ready to change it now. I'm forcing the issue, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I just, I mean, I think, I think it's a great idea. I guess I'm just a little more black pilled on Trojan horsing it. I don't, I don't, I think that the billions that are being made, especially on federal using federal funds to put SEL in the classrooms and it's being, it's so closely tied to DEI that it's a, it's a prerequisite. In other words, if they are equating, uh, an equity focused or a social justice focused, um, program with, you know, SEL and SEL is with social justice. Like, I don't know that you can disaggregate that and and sell them on it. And not to mention the fact that the big players who are already in this industry have got a lock on this money. They're huge. I mean, Castle is huge. In fact, the federal government through the Department of Education has Castle as the standard. In other words, Castle has to approve Any social emotional learning program that goes into a public school in America, you don't get the federal funding to pay for it, which is where the majority of the funding is coming from. And they'll have their own private donors that'll cover it. But guess what? They're all politically aligned with the people who are in Washington and so on. So it's big money. And I don't mean to be like a naysayer. I think the idea is is good, but I would like to throw two other things out there. One is I think we need to question the premise that the things that Jason, you know, that, that we're talking about, the soft skills, that they can be direct instructed rather than supported. When you were first doing it, Jason, I believe you were you were part of a tier of support in a school, correct? Where you had multi tiers of support for students.
2: Well, there was that system, but my role, I supported uh, nine different uh, middle schools and high schools.
1: Okay, I meant more like I- for, at the student level. There's tier one is the teacher, right? Tier two might be the school counselor, right? The school counselor is not necessarily a therapist or anything, but they've been trained in some right. of that and they deal with that. And then tier three would be your social worker dealing with outside the school and inside the school. And generally right. speaking, we didn't go into an entire classroom of 30 kids with tier two and tier three supports every single day. That wasn't on an as needed basis. Am I right?
2: right yeah se like so i i think i think of tier one as an intervention or something that's for like every single student right and then you move up like whatever whatever the needs but yes sel is designed and should and my firm belief is always it is a tier one intervention it is a tier one uh process and practice and it is not counseling and therapy
1: Right. And so what's happened is they've kept the tier one delivery, meaning to all the students, but they've changed the modality from, you know, just kind of like we, you know, we have classroom rules and we have certain things that we do that we adhere to. And then when there's a problem, like if there's a student who's, you know, having issues, having feelings, whatever, there are things the teacher might be trained to do, or the support person might be trained to do to help that student work through those feelings. But it is not a system where we're, now we're going to stop and we're going to have a survey where we go through the depression inventory for all 30 of you and Mm -hmm. take, take your emotional temperature every day. And that's, what they're doing now with SEL. So my question is, I want to go all the way back and say, what about the schools like Michaela, you know, school in in the UK? I talked to the headmistress this morning and I asked her, I said, do you do this? Do you do anything? She said, well, no, we don't do any of this. What they do is the teachers are trained to model character. The teachers are trained to expect good character. And the teachers are trained to identify these emotional challenges that are coming up and refer them. So in other words, you have professionals who are especially trained to deal with individuals who are having extra problems away from the prying eyes of their peers and in a way that is, uh, you know, tailored to what they need. But in terms of the classroom environment, We are not trying to perfect the emotional environment of the classroom before anyone learns anything academically. And what they're doing now is saying the kids can't learn until they're all mentally well. Well, good luck. I guess the kids are never going to learn because they're not all going to be mentally well. Yeah, it's not going to happen. We're going to spend all day in group therapy and maybe we'll learn some math by the end of the month. That's what they're doing now. And so I just want to question the premise and have more parents say, you know, I'll tell you what, guys, when you get good at your primary mission of teaching them to read and teaching them math and keeping the discipline in the class such that the kids can think straight, and when not everything they're doing is on a Chromebook, when they can actually hold a pencil correctly at the age of 12, when they can read more than a Bob book by the age of 10, you know, maybe you can delve into emotional care on a, at the teacher level, at the tier one level. But until you guys get the tier one reading instruction right, maybe you need to back away from this SEL stuff because they they've gone full tilt away from any kind of academic learning and i think jason's program would be perfectly tailored for those parents who want who, who either are busy like leaving the schools creating their own schools creating their micro schools or charter schools or places where they're already saying we're committed to independence we're committed to being individuals we're committed to the founding principles of america Mm-hmm. And yeah. then Jason's program perfectly aligns with them rather than having to go banging our head against the brick wall of the people who don't want us.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I figured... Thank you for that, Deb. You know, I I figured the... I mean, this is a kind of a duh thing, but since social justice... Pe- they essentially blame bad human behavior for bad things that happen in the world. So it's like, well, how can we really how can we correct our behavior so i came up with six attitudes and practices that if we practice those things day in and day out in real time over and over and over that's what happens in our brains we become what we practice so if we're practicing compassion and kindness and awareness and dignity, and we are leading from a place of our core values verse, versus our stereotyped identities, then we're developing ourselves in healthy, productive, compassionate ways that we, we're tra- we, we've trained our brain to see somebody else as we see ourselves. So I we're will- not going to harm those people.
0: I, I think both approaches are great. I mean, I'm one of those people who I'm kind of like, everyone has a different talent, a different tool, a different life lived experience they can speak from, <laughs> and different uh, people in their life who might be an audience for them to, you know, that 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 might listen to what they have to say. And so I think both trying to go in and change what's happening in SEL, while that's happening on one hand, you've got another hand over here saying, let's get, why are we even doing SAL until... Kids can read and, and do math at, at the grade level they're supposed to be able to do it at. Like, yeah. I think both of those are great. So, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm,
1: I wouldn't say like, yeah. don't do it. I'm just saying that when you run into somebody who says, you know, like, we've got it covered, I think asking the question, well, why are we doing it anyway, may get them back to, to Jason's plan. Yes. I think that's a great point. So, it's kind of like with some people when they go too far down a path. You, you you can't get them halfway back. You have to go like, let's go all the way back here. Get them back in mm-hmm. touch with why the good. You know, as Jason says, most people are well intentioned. Let's give them benefit of the doubt that they genuinely want to help these kids. Okay, let's let's do that. Let's get, and then let's give them their argument. The kids need the help. All right, but until we get them back to the core principles or back to the core of like, what does help even look like? What is the underlying cause of their mental health problem? Like not feeling successful, not feeling like I can do what I need to do in school, feeling like I'm failing, feeling like, you know, I'm dumb, whatever the things are, that's gonna really hurt your mental health too, isn't it? So, you know, if you kind of go all the way back, maybe we get more people ready to hear what Jason has to say. And here's the good news, even if that doesn't work, You've got a percentage of parents who are going, you know what? I really like what he's got. I, let's go do it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So, but I don't know that we get there by coming to the halfway point. That's yeah. my point. Sometimes you have to just kind of reel everybody all the way back.
0: Uh, let's see. Eve Barlow's Rotten Crot. What? is your name Who you're or? talking about
1: language you were talking about <laughs> the words
0: uh i'm just laughing at that username thank you for the super chat it says they stole the word grape <laughs> uh, and then kent gave a super chat just to thank you deb for discussing my story it says that exceeded oh. expectations thank you deb you're so welcome thank you kent and uh andrew joiner hi andrew gives us 10 lira I'm kidding, I know it's not Lyra. I think that they <laughs> redefined that counts, these, isn't <laughs> it? Uh, it became a running joke because I didn't know what that was the first time I saw it. It's pounds. I yeah. I think they redefine cool. these terms, CRT, etc., all the time. Whatever definition fits the best at the time to push the agenda. Yes. Well, not says, only
2: do they change the definition, but they say it doesn't exist. It
0: doesn't exist. Okay.
2: Yeah. It's it does it's good. Like I well- saw.
0: I saw today, just today, to illustrate your point, Joy Reid was tweeting something about how she would love to be able to explain slavery to someone, but she couldn't because CRT is banned. Now, first of all, you don't need CRT to talk about the history of slavery. We never had CRT in school when I was a kid, and we learned about the history of slavery. But second of all, she's admitting CRT exists and that people are trying to take it out of the public schools. And then in her comments, she had supporters who were... Who were then arguing it doesn't exist and that it's not in the schools. And so it's right. a conflict.
2: It's a stupid conflict. I was a, I was a, I majored in history and I was a history teacher and I taught slavery. I taught every single horrible thing that happened in human history. I taught it from a perspective of this awful thing happened. Why did it happen? How can we avoid it? What principles did, did these things violate and how can we, you know, because I was told that's how we're supposed to use history. So when I see this stuff recently, like CRT isn't teaching real history, I'm like, that is, that is absolutely not true. And if that's the argument that you're making, you don't know what CRT is. So that's, that's another thing is we have people advancing ideas that they don't even know what they mean. Most people don't realize that CRT is is a neo-marxist tool so it's it's a tool that is designed to erode the individual Mm -hmm. so why why use it if that's what the tool is purposed for why continue to use it
0: they just get their uh marching orders though and they get their uh the lines that they're supposed to repeat and that's why you see some of them and they get contradictory lines to repeat so you see some of them repeating the line that crt is teaching accurate history about you know slavery and racism and then you'll have other people on the same they're on the same social justice team who are like crt is only a legal theory and not even taught in school right right yeah um two more these are not super chats so i just want to put these on the screen kent thank you kent he says hearing smart people have good conversations makes me very happy and optimistic uh, it makes me happy and optimistic just hanging out on Fridays and talking about the world with you guys. So yeah. And then Pirate Tomsky says, "Dr. Pepper." I, I guess there was a soda war happening in the chat that I wasn't aware of. Pirate Tomsky <laughs> says, "Dr. Pepper is like fizzy cough medicine," and Dr. Uh, uh, Pirate Tomsky has now been fired.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just, Dr. Pepper just, fan <laughs> in the house. Spicy,
0: <laughs> spicy takes. <laughs> just an update. Pirate Tomsky. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, well, I I'm really appreciating having both of you here to offer your different perspectives on education, and uh, I want to have you back again. I, we don't always have to just talk about this topic. I just know that it's it's what you're both do. It's the work that you do on a daily basis. So I thought it would be that good to is. cover it. <laughs> yeah.
2: We also live in this world on a on a daily basis and that's a full-time job in itself.
0: Yeah. Well, Jason, you have some ideas and this probably relates to what you're doing with education, but you were talking to me off camera about how the biggest divide right now is sort of with this false idea that that Republican or Democrat matters. Oh, yeah.
2: Know. Yeah. Uh one of the- <clears throat> So, a, uh, I am a, I am a non-political person. I have never been a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, I, I realized that was not really the, I guess, the thing that mattered or the truth, the accuracy back even in the mid-90s. So I've never had any sort of political attachment. Uh, but what I, what I've noticed over the past year or so, because I've really been engaging with people who supposedly think different than me and are on the, I'm on the other side. But what I've noticed is that people that defend social justice ideology and people that are on the divide, it's because of political assumptions and attachment, Mm. like political parties uh, and our, our attachments to a, To a party and our belief about how evil and bad the other party is, that false dichotomy is preventing us from seeing this, the philosophical and moral dilemma, uh, existential crisis that we've been talking about for the past hour and a half. So, Mm -hmm. our false attachments and beliefs in this thing called a Republican and a Democrat is preventing us from having these real deep, oh, shit, conversations because of these perceived political beliefs. So I was thinking about that, our opening sentence of the Declaration of Independence, which is when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them together. So my proposal is that we the people dissolve those bands. We dissolve that concept of republican of democrat because that does not matter right now. What matters right now is is the individual. How do we feel about the is the individual worth uh, of worth and value or is the individual problematic and are we going to put forth, you know, Postmodernism over the Enlightenment. Right. The Enlightenment—that's where we got the, these ideas of the free individual. And it took a long time to get to that point, to where humans were able to come into a world, not all over the world, but in this place, and pursue their well-being how they see fit. <clears throat> like that's that's what is at risk here, and a belief in Republicans and Democrats. And engaging in that false conversation is allowing the ideology and the political philosophy behind it. Because, I mean, don't forget about old cloche over there in the corner and what's happening with when we hear politicians saying build back better all over the world. You know, there is something there is a political thing right on our doorsteps. Yeah. So if we can detach, and I know some people are like, oh, there has to be a political solution. There has to be a political, the only political solution that I can think of is if for the next two election cycles, if everybody voted libertarian, because that would vote everybody out of office. If we really want political change, you vote everybody from the federal to the national level out of office. And if we agree, so if, if everybody agreed, imagine for the next two years, if everybody said, you know what, I'm not going to be Republican, I'm not going to be a Democrat, this thing called the United States of America, it's a pretty cool thing. I want to save it, and I want to pass it on to my kids. We're, I'm going to vote libertarian. I'm not going to argue with people online about politics. I'm going to get out, and I'm going to have conversations, and I'm going to love people, and I'm going to mm-hmm. show compassion, and I'm going to put some really good things out into the world. That's how we, that's how we, we have to break free from. From these these chains that have held us back, and that Republican and Democrat, liberal conservative fighting is the thing that's holding us back right now.
0: Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. I've been we've been talking about this for a couple of years now. That um, it's not about right and left. It's about individual versus authoritarian, um, individualism versus collectivism. And they keep us squabbling over race and political party and sexuality and all this stuff so that they're able as one uniparty to just uh, take advantage of the people to continue to to spend money of our uh, of of the future generations, even not even money that we're going to be paying back and to get us into conflict and, you know, limit our our individual rights to limit our liberty to limit our freedoms our ability to go work without being told by the government that we can't or that we have to get a shot or whatever so i completely agree with you i don't think however well when it comes to elections now i don't care as much about the national ones anymore as i used to because i don't i don't trust in election integrity anyway and i don't usually i don't think it matters that much i don't know I'm very focused though now on the local elections. So like Mm -hmm. um, school boards, city council, those matter a lot. Your sheriff, those matter a lot. Yeah. But if we are going to talk about the one I care less about, the national ones, um, I'm just, I'm just voting based on which candidate I think is the most liberal. And it happens to have been a few Republicans the past couple elections I've voted in. Like my first time I've, voted for a Republican was 2018 and it was because Ted Cruz is the more liberal of the two candidates and he does he doesn't want to take away my right to own a gun he doesn't want you know he doesn't want to push right. a woke authoritarian collectivist CRT ideology in schools so that makes him the more liberal candidate um and so that's how I've been approaching it I guess it's just a case-by-case basis but I don't know about you it sounds like are you are you both Deb you're a libertarian right
1: Yes. Um, and like small L, I participate in my local like party at the county level, because as you pointed out, you know, the the, the closer to home you are, the more it matters, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But on a national level, I tend to vote libertarian if there's somebody who's remotely viable. State level, national level, whatever, um, you get up to the top. And like I said, my policy is I just want them both out. So um, I tend to try to try to get the percentage up of um of libertarian votes you know we can get it up above 20 percent you know things like that we, you start getting closer to sending them a message and that's that's been my goal I can't my conscience gets in the way of mm-hmm. voting for people who I know I where I know I'm holding my nose or I know it's a uniparty yeah. I know it's a farce and yet I don't want to not vote so that's why I end up you know voting libertarian because the at least Somebody has articulated the principles of liberty that I stand for. And I don't even see that. Most of most of what you see on the party platforms of the two parties are not principles, they're policies. And I think most people yes. forget there's a giant difference. So rather than saying, you know, we stand for X principle. And then all the policies we might think of have to be measured against that principle, like individual rights are sacrosanct. Okay, does this policy infringe on individual rights? Okay, probably not a good idea, right? Or at least we have to reconcile that. We have to to reconcile it. We can't just pretend it's not there. But when you read both parties' platforms, it's like, we believe in doing X. We believe in keeping Y. We believe in funding Z. That's a policy. That's a policy, yes. They don't, they don't articulate principles. And I have a really hard time casting my lot with people who are in a way kind of a cipher, because if you don't stand for something specific that we all can clearly understand what it means, it's not, you can't change the meaning of it next week. You can't, you know, tweak it. to that's not what we meant. What? And when you say we're going to fund X, but then the next week it's a trillion (laughs) dollars, like funding means that, or conversely, funding means only for the subset of people that we like. Um, it's a bait and switch. It's bribery, and I just can't support it. Can't do it.
2: So that's an example of Republican versus Democrat is a false. It's a exactly. false narrative. It's a false yeah. narrative to for divide and conquer purposes, and it has it has half of the country divided in a way that if we were to be aligned by our principles and values that division would be like 90%, at least 90% us Mm -hmm. and 10% of what we're calling like woke or left or all of that. Like if, if every individual would identify what principles and values that they are with and get with that, we might be better off.
0: It's yeah, but we're so, so many people, it just, they just fall into tribalism. I've tried really yep. hard when I started walking away from the woke cult. I didn't want to fall into another tribe. And so, uh, I'm aware that that's human nature and, mm-hmm. and it's been really important for me to not just become like, I mean, I ended up voting for Trump the second time around but I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was like on the Trump train, you know, if you followed right. me on social media, it wasn't like, rah, rah, Trump all the time. It was, here are some things I do like that he's doing. Here are other things I don't like, but um, I don't want to get on that train. I don't want to get on a Republican train. Um, and, and i want to make space for people who are leaving the left, like I did to choose any variety of paths. Like you don't have to end up, a Republican or conservative or not that there's anything wrong with that if you do, but there are people who like myself, I still use the word liberal because a lot of my policy positions are so liberal. They're changing some of them, but I don't know. It's hard to put a label on it. And I think people need to be aware, you know, don't fall into that trap when you're leaving one. If you are lucky enough, if you're in a cult or system of belief and you're lucky enough to find your and claw your way out of it, The last thing you want to do is fall into another cult, you know, or another completely uh, rigid way of just um, walking in lockstep, you know, with a group of people. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Um, Somebody asked a question of me about Texas. I'm not sure where it went, but they were asking, I think it was Kevin Anderson was asking about, oh, here it is. George P. W. Bush, George P. Bush, sorry, <laughs> George P.W. <laughs> uh, I think the runoff is on Tuesday. Actually, he's he's uh, running against Ken Paxton for attorney general. The guy I wanted is not in the runoff. Um, I've I I got to interview the guy who wrote Texit and uh, Daniel Miller, cool. and uh, I really I really like Daniel Miller, but I don't I don't care I don't really care about George P. W.
1: I'm done with Bushes. I just kind of like, I, I see the name Bush and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. kind of done with dynasties. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. Did yes,
2: you see, more... did you see uh, W's gaff yesterday yes. or the other yes. day? No. Yes. Don't
1: do what I did. What? Oops. Like, d- you know, that's the, one man say like it, like invaded a country like uh whatever I can't remember his exact words but he basically described what he did in Iraq but he's p- pointing at, at Putin and it you know it, it was kind of like the huh say what,
0: Wait, what? Can you pull it- it up? can you pull it up pirate because I haven't seen it is it worth watching is it funny yeah yeah
2: okay. it' be- funny
0: uh no I missed that I didn't know he was still out and about making gaffes I thought that was just biden now.
1: I mean it's not even like a gaff it's more like it's it's not a gaff like how Biden makes gaffes, it's a gaff of the what with the truth poked through.
2: Yeah. Let's see.
4: Russian elections are rigged. <laughs> are imprisoned or otherwise eliminated from participating in the electoral process. The result is an absence of balances in Russia and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, Oopsie.
1: That was the gap part. Oh, wow. Yeah.
4: Anyway, <laughs> uh,
1: Did yes. people laugh? Iraq- oh, Did yeah. yeah people the crowd's
4: laughing. laughing. Wait, go back uh, a second.
0: I want to hear the crowd abrupt when they realize what he said. Correct. Iraq- anyway.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> that's
2: like uncomfortable uh, laughter. Yeah
1: oh man yeah Yeah. oops so yeah that was a gap i'm sorry i missed the part where he said iraq i thought he was just talking about one man invading a country but he did say iraq and um and the other part of course that is is funny is when he says you know the elections in russia are rigged and political opponents are put in prison or otherwise prevented from voting yeah and i'm like no that never happens like a lockdown 2000 oh, meals, man. whoopsie. Yeah, I mean, it's it, yeah, they're a little more in your face overt about it. They've got more practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this notion that we have in America that because we can't see it easily or we can't prove that it's happening, it's not happening. Come on, guys.
2: Right. Come on. And it's happening all over the world. That's the thing. Come on. That's not what's happened. The woke culture and the political tyranny at the footsteps, it's not it's America, it's Canada, it's it's all throughout Europe it's New yep. Zealand, it's Australia the, the, the whole the idea of the individual as a living being on this planet all over it, that's what's under attack yeah Yep. you know, and if we can break the re- Break the nonsense, get out of the noise conversations, and figure figure things out in real time with each other. That's how we do the biggest rope a dope of human history.
0: Yeah, I love that you call it that. I think it's. <laughs> I'm rope-a-dope. gonna keep calling. I'm gonna keep calling it the Trojan horse. But I like. There you go. Too. Yeah. Um, so, I think we should start wrapping it up. We're almost at two hours, and honestly. I need to take a break uh, <laughs> for biological reasons, and <laughs> I'm sorry. So uh, why I'm don't sorry you? Sorry, guys- that's not allowed. No, okay. i Yeah, I have about. I this have is a- public school. My you may not go to the bathroom about-
1: without permission.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like two hour time limit, both on my brain functioning correctly and my bladder. So that's usually that's usually yeah. the two Anyway, too much information. Why don't you guys remind everyone where they can find you online? Um, if they want to watch the stuff you're up to and read your articles. Deb, do you want to tell people first?
1: Sure. Um, So I'm at The Reason We Learn on YouTube, but I would like to make a plug for people to start using my Substack because they are throttling the living daylights out of me on YouTube. I had a wonderful interview today with um, that headmistress, Catherine Burbel Singh from the UK, it was nothing controversial at all, in my opinion, and yet you will be sitting there watching the 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 White Circle of Death. They took a video I did yesterday about leveraging tragedy to propagandize children, and they removed it. They made it private because they accused me of pushing disinformation when i hadn't said anything other than it's probably not a good idea to get kids whipped into a frenzy about things that are dangerous and happen far away when they're very small but apparently they didn't want people to see that so i've been putting things over on substack at the we at i'm trying to keep up with keeping it you know like as much stuff over there as there is on youtube but if you guys could start going over there and also a little plug for support. I, I try to make everything publicly available because the content is sort of public service in a way. Um, at the same time, support is greatly appreciated, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Cool. And Jason, where can people find you?
2: Of uh, Jason, there you uh, go. There you go. Uh, Probably Twitter is a good is a good place. Uh, Jason the t h e e human, uh, and also empoweredpathways.org. dot uh, org. There's a contact there, and we've recently launched a GoFundMe campaign that is on my Twitter as well. We are hoping to impact one thousand plus people with two events, also with the concert. Uh, We're hoping to get more youth involved and really ignite the youth about what we're doing. So that GoFundMe campaign is really crucial right now. And anything over $250 comes with a tax receipt because Empowered Pathways is a nonprofit. So you can get tax credit for combating wokeness. How sweet is that? That's
0: great. (laughs) That's awesome. Everybody go check out Empower Pathways and um, your event, which is July 16th and okay. then
2: on the 18th. Okay, and if cool. you if you want some non-woke practices to come into your workplace or school or community, come on. If you're a parent or somebody needing help wondering what's going on, I'm, I'm here for support to talk to school boards, principals, help people try to find some calm in this moment.
0: I love that. Um, well, thank you guys for being here. Uh, if it was your first time here in the chat, welcome. And if you've just been watching the videos and haven't subscribed, please hit subscribe. They do also throttle our subscription, so uh, make sure that you're still subscribed. And then um, just a couple of announcements. Monday, I'm going to be hosting. Uh, I'm going to be doing coffee break with my friend Jared Bauer who, uh, from Wisecrack and that should be a really fun one if you guys were fans of the interview that that i did with him about leaving wisecrack uh anyway he'll be here monday and then june 10th if you're in the austin texas area i'm going to be speaking at the women leaving the left event at the austin public library with megan murphy and a panel of uh, great folks so uh you can find out more info about that in the let's see what where should i put it pirate i'll put it in the comment below the video and then if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area on Thursday, June 16th, uh, I'm going to the Friday Night Tights meetup. So I hope to see some of you guys there. And I think that's it. Thank you guys for hanging out. Well,
1: cool. thanks for having Bye. us.
0: Have a happy Friday. You too. We should, Friday. we should have a siren at the end of the video. For real? <laughs> it's like bathroom siren.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs>